And welcome back to everybody that needs health care at some point in their lives. This is Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk, and I am Steve Larchuk, attorney and healthcare advocate. Many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Networks, world class web hosting and domain name registration. Learn more about them by going to pair.com. That's P A I R.com. This program is committed to serious and credible discussion of healthcare politics and finance. But let's start today with the news. 22,000 retired coal miners and widows received the news that their federal health coverage under the Miners Protection Act will expire on April 30th. No sign of the president, who of course campaigned on a stack of promises and assurances to coal miners. But president Trump at a joint session of Congress, which seems so long ago, on February 28th, repeated that a replacement for the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act would be introduced in Congress any day. Now, that was six days ago. Uh, Republican Speaker of the House Paul Ryan has been likewise promising an imminent rollout of the bill, and according to Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, a draft of the supposed bill was being uh, prepared in a secret room in the basement of the Capitol building, And despite Senator Paul's efforts uh, to find it and request a copy, he was refused. Uh, Of course, uh, Senator Paul has also introduced his own bill, which essentially uh, repeals the Affordable Care Act uh, as much as possible. And uh, that bill is being ignored by the Republican leadership. Key committees of the House of Representatives are theoretically scheduled to vote on uh, Speaker Ryan's version of health care reform sometime next week. It's pretty clear that they will really ram this through. There will be very little time for commentary from the public or any sort of uh, testimony from witnesses. Of course, there hasn't been any sign of anyone uh, from the consumer side or unions who could uh, be heard on the subject. Uh, over the past couple of weeks, governors have been in Washington, D.C., and have met with the president, and to the extent that we know what went on in those meetings, it seemed that most of the big state and many of the small state governors are pleading with the president and with Congress not to play games with the Medicaid expansion. They like the fact that a person can be earning up to four times the poverty rate and be eligible for Medicaid. And if the Congress repeals that part of the Affordable Care Act, Uh, it will be a serious problem. The states don't have anywhere near the resources to cover those people, and many of those uh, folks, working people, sometimes working two and three jobs, will be kicked to the curb. Uh, Fortunately, uh, many Republican uh, senators have come out quite vocally to say that they are not in favor of repealing the Affordable Care Act, Uh, Most notable is Lisa Murkowski of Alaska, who in addition has said she will not support any effort to defund Planned Parenthood, but most important to her is that the Medicaid expansion be preserved. Surprisingly, uh, former candidate for president Marco Rubio, who our current president referred to as Little Marco, you might remember that, Uh, Little Marco is uh, standing up tall, and he is saying that there is no way he will support going back to the way things were in 2009. 
He reminds everyone that things were a mess in 2009 in healthcare. Finally, uh, the drug price outrage of the week. Narcane, the drug that is used to reverse uh, opioid uh, overdoses, has gone from $345 a dose in 2014 to $2,250 in 2017, and the president is doing nothing about it. Well, that wraps up the news, and we will be back shortly with some discussion about the Senate bills that are being kicked around Congress right now. This is Steve Larchuk, healthcarepolitics.com. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. And you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food, because 40% of all food in the US never gets eaten. Save the food, cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. When it comes to saving money, don't act like a baby. Goo goo gaga. Be the boss and make a budget. I'm the boss, baby. You're the boss of me. I am the boss of you. Or not. M2. Or not. M2. Need a little help? Aren't you going to do any work? I'm very busy delegating. Create a personalized savings plan. We can share. You obviously didn't go to business school. And get other tools and tips at feedthepig.org. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. And hello to everyone who is worried about health care, and if you aren't, you just aren't paying attention. This is Steve Larchuk, and you are with Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. I'm an attorney practicing health care law for over 36 years and also a health care reform advocate and a believer in what Dr. Martin Luther King said, which is, of all forms of inequality, injustice in health care is the most shocking and inhumane. If you don't agree with that, you should reach out to me because we'll put you on the air and you can explain why you disagree. But for, for now, today's uh, show is going to cover a lot of bases. And later on, we have Kay Tillo of Kentucky, who's the leader of Unions for Single-Payer Healthcare, which has so far secured the endorsement of more than 600 union organizations around the country for the concept of single-payer, uh, generally, and also more specifically, uh, House Bill 676, which is the John Conyers bill, which has been introduced over and over again for, it seems like, decades. But uh, Kay and her organization started with just a few unions supporting it, and she has uh, worked feverishly to try and build support in now over 600 uni unions around the country are supporting single-payer through her website, and we'll look forward to uh, hearing uh, the interview with, with Kay that we pre-recorded, and that will be coming up as soon as we talk a little bit about what's happening in Congress. Uh, today, we were told that uh, Paul Ryan, Ryan, the Speaker of the House, would be rolling out the Republican version of repeal and replace, and let's talk about repeal and replace. The far-right advocates who have been lobbying for repeal and, rep and then replace always understood that once repealed, there would never be a replace. 
keep in mind the Republicans had complete control of Congress in the presidency during the Bush years, uh, during the early Bush years, certainly, and have did not lift a finger to do anything about health care reform. If the uh, Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act is repealed with no substitute or replacement immediately ready to go, there will never be a replacement until there's a complete change in government. So let's just forget about the repeal part of replace and repeal. There are, fortunately, uh, senators who have come forward with their own bill, which is a far more moderate uh, approach. Now, many of us favor Medicare for all. We've always said that. Even the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act was not far enough as far as a lot of progressives were concerned. But uh, elections have consequences. Donald Trump is our current president. The Republicans have a narrow majority in the Senate and a larger majority in the House of Representatives, so they get to call the tune. At the extreme ends, you have those from the Tea Party, people like Jim Jordan of Ohio and Senator Ted Cruz from Texas, who just want to repeal the the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, and that's all there is to it. They they don't tolerate for 30 seconds any concept that uh, health care is a human right. They That just does not compute in their world. Then on the other end, the other extreme end, you've got the Democrats who would certainly like to expand health care to even more people, but for now they're just hanging on trying to protect the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act. If they can, they'd like to push through a bill to control drug prices. The president certainly talks a good game about that, but despite having signed a couple of dozen or more executive orders, as far as I have been able to see, that not one of them, not one of them, uh, deals with drug prices. And he certainly could be doing something about that. He very quietly and mildly met with the drug manufacturers. You may recall that was one of his early meetings once he became president. And he started the meeting by saying, you have to lower prices. They're just terrible. And then probably within five minutes, he forgot all about that and was busy currying their favor. And since that day, I haven't heard a word of actual effort from the president, although he did mention it in his defense. He did mention it again on the 28th of February when he did his presentation to Congress. But let's let's focus on something that's a little more productive, a little bit more serious, and that is a bill that's been introduced by Susan Collins from Maine, along with uh, Bill Cassidy from Louisiana and a couple of other senators. They call it the Patient Freedom Act of 2017. Now, who wouldn't like that? Patient Freedom Act of 2017. But uh, in all seriousness, the key components of their presentation is basically to make it Obamacare 2.0. They, call, they want to call it something else because you certainly can't use the same old name, even if it's the same old wine. But the key elements of this would be that the states that like the Affordable Care Act and the Medicaid expansion can keep it just the way it is. So that's, that's a pretty good start. Those states that have, those 19 states that have not uh, embraced the Medicaid expansion, 
have been leaving money on the table. Their taxpayers are paying the money into the federal treasury, just like all the rest of us. But for, because of the stubbornness of their politicians, none of that money is coming back to them. For example, we had uh, Jason Kander from Missouri on the show a few weeks ago, and he was, he was saying this is ridiculous. Missourians are paying into a system that they've opted out of, so none of that money comes back. Well, the Patient Freedom Act of 2017 would allow those states who just don't want to expand Medicaid uh, in the fashion that the Affordable Care Act contemplates, they could get a lump sum of money and within certain bounds be able to use that to craft their own solutions. So that's certainly better than nothing. Uh, Also, uh, the Patient Freedom Act of 2017 would preserve some of the important consumer protections of the patient protection part of the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act statute, specifically non-discrimination for pre-existing conditions. That is so essential. Uh, A lot of people think that that only applies to situations where somebody already has cancer or already has diabetes or something like that. And uh, the harsher people in Congress say, that's uh, your house is already on fire and you want to come and buy insurance for it. Of course, that's absurd and ridiculous and harsh. What really what we're really talking about is people who fall even into employment categories. In other words, actuarially, some jobs are more dangerous than others. And maybe you won't uh, be uh, involved in a workplace injury that would be covered under workers' comp. Maybe you'll just get gradually sick. And so there are a number of not just medical conditions, but also also employment categories that are considered pre-existing conditions. And of course, being female is a pre-existing condition. So you better not do that, or else uh, you won't be able to get coverage as easily as, as the guys. So preserving that is really important, so I give uh, those Republicans uh, points for wanting to preserve that. Also, they uh, want to preserve the no lifetime caps. That's certainly important, because if you get a really nasty disease, like cancer is the, the easiest one to think of, you can blow through a million or two million or even five million dollars in coverage in just a few years. So it's important that insurance companies not be able to bump you off just because you've you've hit some artificial cap. Now I have the this bill in front of me, all 73 pages of it, and it's a little ambiguous to me whether it, it also would preserve the a prohibition against insurance companies from throwing you off insurance once you get sick. For example, in the bad old days, 2009 and before, you could be paying into an insurance company for years and years, never file a claim, but as soon as they see that you must have acquired uh, breast cancer or something, they can say, wait a minute, you're going to cost us some money, so we're cutting you off. And so that is, I can't tell whether this bill would protect that or not. And the last thing that they do protect is the Uh, right of children to stay on their parents' policies uh, up to age 26. So that's that's a heck of a decent start, far more moderate program. There are four uh, senators who back that, uh, two more are leaning that way, so it's more than enough to tip the balance. So that's a very important, very wonky uh, sort of presentation of just one of the ideas that's kicking around Congress. This is Steve Larchuk. You're listening to Healthcare Politics. Come back on the other side, and we will be joined by Kay Tillo, of unions for single payer. Talk to you soon. Well, they had 
50 years to get the problem solved. Soaring costs and less access is where we evolve. Trump and company claim to have a sweeping mandate from voters. But wait, almost half of the electorate chose not to vote last November. Only 25% of voters actually cast their ballots for Trump. 26% chose Clinton. 60% of those who did vote for Trump said they don't trust him. Some mandate. Here's another fact. Those of us fighting for populist justice are stronger than we've been in decades. But how can that be since Trump is in the White House? Because the vast majority of people agree with the ideals and ideas of progressive populism, not with Trumpism. Even most of his supporters were not voting for what they're about to get, a plutocratic, autocratic agenda that'll steamroll the working class and poor. Trump was not elected on issues, but on anger. A lot of Trump voters simply heard him speaking one truth repeatedly. The system is rigged by and for the elites. That's true. So the riggies, furious at being flattened by the corporate and political powers, saw Trump as a big bodark stick that they could grab to thump the whole smug establishment upside its collective head. However, far from alleviating their anger and despair, Trump is already betraying them, as revealed by the actual proposals he's making and the people he's brought inside the White House. Remember his promise to drain the swamp in Washington? Instead, he's filled it with a new slew of creepy, crawly swamp creatures like Jeff Sessions, Steve Mnuchin, Rex Tillerson, Tom Price, Scott Pruitt, Betsy DeVos, and a mess of Wall Street insiders. These are career-long corporate hacks, not working-class champions. This is Jim Hightower saying, Progressives not only need to resist the plutocratic agenda of these fraudsters, but also to put forth our true people's agenda and start rallying voters around it right now. Hightower's commentaries are brought to you by the Hightower Lowdown, the monthly newsletter with Hightower's take on what Wall Street and Washington are up to. For information, visit HightowerLowdown.org. You like working with your hands. You're good at putting things together, and you take pride in your work. Hey, with your skills and drive, you could have a satisfying, stable career as a sheet metal worker. Sheet Metal Local 12 is accepting apprentices right now. Earn while you learn to work with a product that's vital to technology and manufacturing in nearly every industry known to man. Apply today or learn more online at smlocal12.org. That's smlocal12.org. Your future begins right now. smlocal12.org. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow right where you live? That it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. You would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow, but shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Single payer is what it's Bottom line is Welcome to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk, healthcare advocate and lawyer, and today hosting the show with a terrific guest, Kay Tillo from Kentucky. Uh, Kay, are you there? I am. All right, wonderful. Today's show, we're going to uh, discuss uh, her, her effort, Kay's effort, and the, the people that she works with to try and build a national uh, support for the concept of single payers. So, Kay, let's 
start by talking a little bit about you. Introduce yourself to the listeners. Uh, who are you and where do you live? Uh, I live in Louisville, Kentucky, and I'm a, a lifetime union activist. And uh, in recent years, I have been working to build grassroots union support for H.R. 676. That's Congressman John Conyers' expanded and improved Medicare for All, which is national single-payer legislation. Why do you think that that's worth your support? In other words, what, what is it about this that has attracted your interest, and why do you think it's the way that the country should go? Well, I worked in uh, mostly in organizing in health care unions, so I kind of was around a lot of the health care issues within our country and became aware that we are the only, only industrialized nation that does not have a system of health care that provides care for everyone, and that, in fact, we spend about double per capita uh, on health care, uh, more than the countries, and we have worse outcomes, and that we are lagging behind in terms of just taking care of our people. And it's just really a tragedy and a crime that we don't change our health care system so that we're able to care for all of the people, as we have the ability to do. Why do you suppose that is? You've been at this a while, and I'm sure you've heard all the pushback. And you live in Kentucky, which is a pretty conservative state. What are you hearing from people that don't think we should have a single-payer national health care system? What are they saying to you? Well, we basically hear that people, we find agreement uh, where we go and where we speak and where we talk. There is confusion, um, particularly about the Affordable Care Act, which has uh, garnered strong opponents and <laughs> strong proponents. Uh, but we find that when we talk with people, there is in general agreement. We find very, very few people who don't think that this is the right thing to do. And um, what we find is the problem is that we are unable to uh, translate broad people's support, democratic support, into policy, that there are barriers to making that politically feasible. And so what we are trying to do is build up the support from the grassroots and the understanding, the understanding about why we have to remove the for-profit insurance industry from our system, because it's the problem that's making it so expensive and causing denials of care and uh, adding so much administrative waste. Well, let's just uh, take the devil's advocate point of view here. A lot of people would say that the insurance companies are vital to the system because they help keep the prices of health care down. Do you believe that? Do you agree with that? No, it's, it's basically it's just the opposite. Um, they intrude into the system and, of course, their, their motive for being in the system is that they seek to make profit. And in the seeking to make profit, they do a whole number of things. One is to try to deny care or 
to cut back on, you know, what the physician can diagnose or what treatment can be put there. Uh, they add this massive administrative waste, and so they make it much more expensive uh, than it needs to be. I mean, the proof is in the pudding. We spend about over $3 trillion a year, and uh, we spend very close to 10000 per person, and the uh, OECD countries, that's the um, Organization for Economic Development, I think it's mostly the wealthy countries, they spend uh, on average about half of that, about 5000 per person. And their outcomes are better in uh, infant mortality, particularly maternal mortality. We do such a terrible job of taking care of our moms. <laughs> And um, they have a higher life expectancy, and they have uh, everyone covered. And there's no reason why we can't do it, too. And the difference is they don't have the private insurers running their system, and we do. And they are therefore the, the problem and what we have to remove and what the legislation we propose would do is to remove them from the system and publicly fund Healthcare in a way that we could uh, bend the cost curve, you know, bring it to where it doesn't continue to escalate, and make it affordable for people so that everybody is covered. You're going to be with us for the next uh, 20 minutes or so, so uh, this question is not uh, to suggest that we're winding up. We're just getting started, but I want you to tell people about your website and the, pe- and the support that you're getting from unions. Where, where can they find your website? Our website is unionsforsinglepayer.org, O-R-G. And uh, it is a, not a very complex website. This is a, a low-scale operation. But we do list every union that has taken a position for H.R. 676. And at this point, it's 628, and those are everything from union locals to central labor councils. Central labor councils are normally a city-based region of, of unions from different internationals. And we have so far gotten 44 uh, state AFL-CIO bodies to endorse the bill as well. So the support is growing, and um, we encourage any other unions to take a look at the legislation and to join us in making this push. Now, is there a difference between uh, what Bernie Sanders was pushing with his uh, Medicare for All program and this H.R. 676, uh, Representative Conyers' bill? Um, Well, Bernie did a wonderful job of popularizing single-payer and explaining it as a Medicare for All bill. So that was certainly a big contribution to the movement, helping people to understand that, you know, it wasn't just the Affordable Care Act or nothing that we could move forward to a system that did more and did it better. Um, he does not currently have a piece of legislation. So, um, I, you know, he has he explained in his campaign kind of an outline of what he wanted, and I think that that was good. He hasn't had legislation on it since uh, the last Congress. 
We're going to be taking a break here shortly. And when we return with Kay Tillo, we're going to be talking a little bit about what's happening in Kentucky, which is where she lives. I want to hear a little bit about the pushback that she's getting on a very local uh, basis. So, uh, Kay, please stand by. And to the listeners, this is Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. Please join us after the break. Thank you very much. Well, there's a dirty little secret all over this land. A free market monster with invisible hands. You're listening to Win Workers Independent News, a production of Diversified Media Enterprises. I'm Doug Cunningham. Good afternoon, Mississippi. Are you fired up? Are you ready to go? United Auto Workers President Dennis Williams, Canton, Mississippi Nissan Workers, supported by the United Auto Workers, the NAACP, Senator Bernie Sanders, and activist actor Danny Glover held a spirited March on Mississippi over the weekend in Canton. The message was that worker rights are human rights. Nissan workers want a union, and they want to be able to vote for a union free of fear and intimidation from Nissan. Brothers and sisters, friends all, it is your moment, your time in history. You will determine not only the faith of this facility here, but you will send a signal to workers everywhere. It's time to rise up. It's time to join together. It's time to change things. The UAW filed more unfair labor practice charges against Nissan just before the weekend march. The union says Nissan illegally prevented workers from handing out pro-union literature at the plant and asking workers to sign cards supporting the UAW. Senator Bernie Sanders told the Nissan workers that their struggle for freedom, dignity, and union rights has the power to inspire other workers nationwide. What this struggle is about is a struggle for dignity. And if you can stand up to a powerful multinational corporation in Canton, Mississippi. Workers all over this country are going to say, we can do it too. So Mississippi, UAW, the eyes of the country and the eyes of the world are on you. You can begin that revolution here that says that workers in America are entitled to justice, decent wages, decent benefits. Activist actor Danny Glover marched with workers in Canton over the weekend as he has for many years in many places in support of union rights as human rights. What makes this country great is the people, the citizens, the hard-working union members, this is what makes this crazy. This is what democracy is about right here. Betty Jones is a pro-UAW Nissan worker. We on that line each and every day, working hard. It is about us having a voice and, and be partnering with Nissan and discuss our policies, our job security, our environment we work in, wages, and just safety. So that's what we're all about. We're gonna keep on, keep on, looking like freedom train. Workers Independent News is brought to you in part by OPEIU, the Office and Professional Employees International Union. You've been listening to WIN, Workers Independent News. For more information, visit laborradio.org. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it, and you can hear it repeatedly without feeling anything. But when we introduce a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural or inborn response from you. Save the food. Because 40% of all food in the U.S. never gets eaten. 
Save the food. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. This is Mario Andretti. You know me as a race car driver, but I'm also a Meals on Wheels volunteer. I've raced against the sport's biggest personalities, but I've never met more vibrant, amazing people than the seniors served by Meals on Wheels. You can make a difference by dropping off a hot meal and saying a quick hello. So, America, let's do lunch. Volunteer your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Imagine if I told you that an earthquake was going to hit tomorrow right where you live. That it would be 6.5 in magnitude with aftershocks occurring twice 25 minutes apart. You'd no doubt talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you an earthquake will happen tomorrow. But what if it does? Shouldn't you have a plan? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Single payer is what it's called. Bottom line is Welcome back to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk, and today I have with me Kay Tillo, one of the advocates for single-payer health care and the curator of a website where she's collecting the endorsements of the single-payer concept and specific legislation pending in Congress, H.R. 676 to be precise. And Kay, I wanted to talk a little bit about your hometown and your state. As a Kentuckian, your Congress or your senators are somewhat famous. You have Mitch McConnell, who is the majority leader of the Senate, and you have Rand Paul, who is sort of one of a kind. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about what are you hearing in Kentucky about the the repeal of the Affordable Care Act. What are people saying to you? Well, um, to me personally, I, um, you know, I, we go out and speak with a lot of groups uh, about single payer, and we don't hear a clamor for the repeal. Um, there is a lot of confusion uh, in Kentucky um, because it's uh, the bill has worked both ways to help a lot of people and then to hurt some people and to not solve many of the problems that we continue to have. So that's a part of the problem is that, for instance, in Kentucky, Medicaid, the Medicaid expansion was implemented because at the time we had a Democratic governor who worked hard to get all of the benefit that he could out of it. And so 440 thousand people signed up for the Medicaid expansion in Kentucky. That's about 10% of the population. And people are eligible for that only if they're not above 138% of poverty, which uh, says something about the economic condition of our state. Uh, So a lot of people got health care for the first time. Uh, The exchanges, you know, where people uh, could purchase health care were less successful. I think maybe only about seventy or eighty thousand uh, purchased individual insurance on that exchange. But then, for the people who are a little bit above that, or the people who have insurance through employers, or who have to purchase it on the uh, on the exchange, the cost has gone up tremendously. 
the deductibles have gone up to the point that we have the situation that people have coverage but cannot afford their care, which is a total contradiction in what insurance is supposed to be about. So the co-pays and deductibles have risen, and that causes a crisis, which I think is the reason why we have the clamor, you know, don't repeal it, and also the clamor to repeal it, because it has done good things, and it has done things that didn't solve anything or that hurt. So it's not a situation where it's fixed, and that's really why we're supporting the national single-payer legislation to not lose the coverage that we've gained through the ACA, but to cover those people better. Quite frankly, anyone on Medicaid, it's a poor program for poor people, and it pays the physicians and the doctors less, which causes a problem. It's like an undervaluing of those lives when you have a two-tiered system with some people's care worth less. So we have to move it forward and save the gains that we've made, not throw those people off, but pass legislation that would fix that part as well as the others and do away with these deductibles and co-pays. You know, the, the deductibles and co-pays keep growing under the ACA. The deductibles, the part that the patient has to pay before the insurance clicks in. We have many, many people with a deductible of five and six thousand dollars. So it's a, such a barrier to being able to go and to get the care that you need. People don't have that kind of money lying around. Um, so we have people who love the ACA and people who hate the ACA. Now Kentucky has a new governor who is uh, very, very much to the right. And uh, he wants to get a waiver to move our Medicaid expansion backward, or else he says he will dissolve it. He will uh, do away with the Medicaid expansion. So there's a fight in the state <laughs> to stop him from being able to do that. And uh, so we're really working in counties all across Kentucky to try to work to save what we have and to move it to a national single-payer system. President Trump ran uh, enthusiastically in support of coal miners. And, of course, Kentucky has a lot of coal miners. Yet, if the Congress repeals the Affordable Care Act, uh, they will actually suffer. Uh, can you tell the audience a little bit about that from your Kentuckian point of view? Well, it, it will be bad if... Uh if they repeal the ACA without moving it to single payer, uh, they and many others will suffer. But we already have a problem that uh, many of the health care funds that the coal miners union negotiated are going uh, under. And unless action is taken on a bill that they support or on single payer, we have 22,000 coal miners and their families who are losing their health care coverage very soon. And that's particularly tragic because the jobs that they did caused them to have lung diseases and many other things connected with working within that industry. And they really, really, uh, it will be tragic for those lives if we don't get something done to fix this and make sure they get the care that they were promised. 
uh, in 46, at, at the ending of the strike, when Truman said that uh, the coal miners and their families would be covered for life. Well, we're going to have an interesting year here in 2017. Uh, just a personal note, both of my grandfathers were coal miners in western Pennsylvania. One died in a coal mining accident, and the other died from black lung. So for anybody that thinks coal mining is uh, an easy occupation, they, they don't know anything ab- about it at all. And it's particularly ironic that the president campaigned for those uh, coal miner votes, and yet uh, with all the things he said and all the things he's tweeted, I have yet to see him actually stand up for coal miners who are paying the physical and health care price. And instead, uh, he is just sitting by waiting for Congress to frankly gut the support systems that we've promised uh, for years, for generations, in fact. Okay, when we come back in the next segment, we're going to be talking about uh, sort of a more personal approach that all of us can take to try and advocate for health care reform. But before we take that break, I wanted to go back to the question of what kind of objections are you hearing? I mean, we, to you and certainly to me, this seems so obvious that we should go to a single-payer system. But what, what are you hearing? When, what's the most common pushback you get when people say they're against it? What, what are they saying to you? Uh, I would guess the most common one is that with this Congress, this isn't feasible. What are you talking about? And um, kind of you need to get your demands in line with what is possible within this political system as it exists now. So the principal pushback you get is we like the idea, but it's just never going to happen. So why are we wasting our time talking about it? Right, and then kind of the idea that if we lowered demand. So I have a friend who says, well, I agree with you, but, you know, I'm, I work with the disabled and we just have to stop the block grant that will hurt the disabled. And so that's the only issue I'm going to push on because that's the crisis that we're facing and that's, you know, a, a, a more possible for us to do than to do the whole thing. All right. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll continue our very interesting conversation with Kay Tillo. My name is Steve Larchuk, and you're listening to Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. Come back in a few minutes and join us. We'll wrap up the show shortly with some interesting final thoughts. Thank you very much. Well, there's a dirty little secret all over this land. A free market monster with invisible hands. You like working with your hands. You're good at putting things together. And you take pride in your work. Hey, with your skills and drive, you could have a satisfying, stable career as a sheet metal worker. Sheet Metal Local 12 is accepting apprentices right now. Earn while you learn to work with a product that's vital to technology and manufacturing in nearly every industry known to man. Apply today or learn more online at smlocal12.org. That's smlocal12.org. Your future begins right now. smlocal12.org. Adopt U.S. Kids presents Multiple Choice Parenting. You're bringing your daughter to her favorite pop star's concert. Do you A, wear earplugs? Isn't this fun, Dad? I have a soft pretzel. B, remember the moment with matching concert t-shirts. That's going to be 180 bucks. 
or we can just take a photo. C. Show her how you used to do concerts. We're going crowd surfing! I can't! It's too heavy! Oh my god! Ah. Or D. Just roll with it. Woo! Justin! Look at us! We're over here! Justin! Justin! OMG! He just looked... I love you, Justin! I love you! When it comes to parenting, there are no perfect answers. But that's okay, because you don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. Teens in foster care will love you just the same. For more information on how you can adopt, visit adoptuskids.org slash AL. A public service announcement from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt US Kids, and the Ad Council. Hope you enjoyed your meal. And I just want to say, he's lucky to have a brother like you. Lucky? Caring for my brother is far from easy. But he's a part of me, like my arms and legs, so I'll be his. No time for tired. Nothing can disable this love. He needs me, but I'm the lucky one, even though I need help now and then. If you're caring for a loved one, visit aarp.org caregiving for care guides and community. Support for your strength. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And you are listening to Sing Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk, and I have Kay Tillo of Kentucky with us today. We're talking about single-payer advocacy and what she's doing with unions and others to generate grassroots support. Uh, many thanks to our national sponsor, Pair Networks world-class web hosting, and domain registration services. You can learn more about Pair Networks by going to their website. That's Pair, P-A-I-R, dot com. And thank you so much for their support. They helped make this show possible. Okay, I wanted to uh, get a little personal here. Not too personal, but personal in the sense of, of how this whole situation is affecting people. And when I say this whole situation... We went from having problems with the healthcare system in the United States uh, to the point where the Affordable Care Act and Patient Protection Act was actually uh, able to pass. Not a single Republican supported it, and they have done nothing but try and repeal it ever since. And here we are in 2017 with uh, various Republican ideas about what to do, and I'm curious do you do you see anything you like about any of the suggestions that the republicans are are floating is there anything there that you you think might be a good improvement on the affordable care act system well you know trump said we're going to have a terrific plan and we're going to have everybody covered so that sounds good but apart from that generality all of the specifics that have been proposed uh, by uh well, Rand Paul has a bill, and Tom Price, the the new cabinet member, and uh, Susan Collins, a whole number of people. There are many proposals. There's no agreement among the Republicans, but all of none of those things would work to make it better. All of them would make it worse. Uh, they are proposing selling across state lines, which basically I assume they mean that they want to get out from under. Uh, the state insurance commissioners, which is the only regulation that we have. And they want to loosen up the essential health benefits, you know, the requirements that there be fairly comprehensive coverage. Well, that doesn't help. I mean, that may make it cheaper for a few people, but if they really get sick, the coverage they need is not going to be there. 
So, and they, they, they say that, you know, we need to get more competition, you know, all of those kinds of things. None of those things have a, an ounce of possibility of solving the basic problem. Uh, the basic problem is health care is too expensive uh, for people, and uh, the insurance companies' uh, position within our health care system dominating it is what makes it that way and we need to publicly fund it. Uh, the cost now is about, uh, I would say, $16,000 or so. I think that's what uh, an employer must pay to do a family coverage. And uh, that's, that's terrible. That's beyond what minimum wage is. So <laughs> it means that there's more must be spent on health care um, than on the wages, or so much that it's beyond people's ability to pay. So we really have to transform it and make it so that we publicly fund it so that there's no cost at the point of service. Um, you know, the insurance company view is that when someone uses their health care, that needs to be controlled, that they're using too much health care and that's what makes it expensive. And that's not the way it should be. I mean, what's making it expensive is that we're not getting people in to get care early enough. Um, we're not getting the care that we need. You know, we're not doing all the preventive care that we need to do. And um, so <laughs> it's uh, none of the uh, Republican proposals work. And in fact, the Affordable Care Act is a Republican proposal. It was hatched by the Heritage Foundation, and it's been uh, proposed. It is the free market, pro-free enterprise uh, proposal. And why all of the Democrats voted for it and the Republicans voted no makes no sense. It's their proposal. And it's worked as well as it could and now we have to move on to something better. Well, it, it always is a mystery uh, why the Republicans fought so hard against uh, providing health care access to people. The Republicans seem, as a general rule, to think that any insurance policy is as good as any other insurance policy. And I could sell you a health insurance policy for $10 a month. It wouldn't cover anything. But you could say you had insurance, and that's one of the the real deceptive things that uh, we hear over and over again from the Republican side. Uh, they also talk about we want you to have access to health insurance. Well, theoretically, I have access to a Maserati automobile uh, if I have enough money to buy it. And so saying, well, you're, you have access, what's your beef, uh, doesn't advance the ball at all. One of the things that's so important about what we're seeing in terms of these town hall meetings and the outcry is that average people are actually uh, calling out the Republicans and saying, let's be specific. What is it that you want to do? Don't, don't just rail against the, the flaws in the Affordable Care Act. Uh, we all agree it needs to be better. But what are you going to do? And very often we hear uh, specific stories that are heartbreaking. And I think you're seeing that as well. But a, a related problem is the opioid epidemic in the United States. And I read recently that in your hometown, you had a horrible 24-hour, uh, 48-hour period where there were massive overdoses. Can you 
tell us a little bit about that? Um, well, I've read the news stories. I'm not certain that I understand all of it. It seems to be um, there's some speculation that this there's a, a drug called fentanyl that has been mixed with uh, the uh, other opiates and that is particularly strong and is causing uh, the deaths. Uh, I don't know deeply about it. I do know that we need more uh, facilities to treat addiction. We need to thoroughly cover uh, mental health and addiction and and do our best as a society to reach out on it. I think that the addiction and the suicides and all of those things uh, relate to dysfunction within the society. You know, it's it's harder and harder to get a good job. It's hard to uh, get a good education. It's so very expensive to go to school, and we're having a lot of difficulties that make life and society not work as smoothly and as well as it should for our people. I don't have uh, insight beyond that other than it's really tragic and we need to treat the addiction and, of course, stop the drugs from being sold. Well, I think you put your finger on it. Uh, we have a, a society that is just despondent. Uh, people are not seeing opportunities. Uh, we keep telling kids that if you go to college and you work hard to get a degree, that you'll have a good job waiting for you. That's certainly not the case. Uh, assuming they can get a job at all, it frequently pays no more than the same position did 20 or 30 years ago. And you have all these uh, problems with reduced uh, benefits. Uh, it's a, we have an unhappy population, and for good reason. So I, I call it the anesthetization of the United States. People are, whether it's uh, something as mild as marijuana or something as bad as uh, opioids, they just are frustrated to the point where that seems to be as sensible a thing to do as any other. But uh, with that parting comment, I just wanted to thank you so much, Kay. Uh, tell our listeners where they can go to learn more about the work you're doing and what they can do to help things move forward. Um, well, the website is unionsforsinglepayer.org. And uh, you can see the unions that have endorsed the bill. Uh, you can also get a list of the cities and counties that have endorsed H.R. 676. So if you're not in a union, you might want to try to get your city council or your state legislature, your county governing body, to endorse the bill. Uh, we need people to take the idea that there's a solution and this is it and this will work for us in order to cover all of our people. And um, that list is also there. So everybody can do something because it's a part of building up the aspiration and the hope that we really can fix it and then insisting that our political system do what it needs to do to cure this disease. Thank you so much, Kay Tillow from the great state of Kentucky and Unions for Single Payer. We will be back after a few minutes with some final thoughts. Thank you so much, and thank you, Kay. Pay him seven times more than anywhere else. For administrative overhead and shareholders' wealth. What if I told you that a tornado was going to happen tomorrow right where you live? that it would touch down at exactly 3.17 p.m. and I told you the exact path it would take. You would, of course, prepare. 
you would talk with your loved ones and you'd make a plan today. It's true, I can't tell you a tornado will strike tomorrow, but shouldn't you have a plan anyway? Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today. Don't wait. Communicate. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. What are all the things you witness online in a day? Cats playing piano, selfies on your feed, your friend's picture being turned into a nasty meme that's been shared 50 times, 51, 52. When someone's being bullied online, it's hard to know what to do. Now you can speak up with the witness emoji. It looks like an eye in a speech bubble, and it's in the symbol section near the clocks in your phone. You'll let the world know it isn't cool, and you'll let your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mario Andretti. You know me as a race car driver, but I'm also a Meals on Wheels volunteer. I've raced against the sport's biggest personalities, but I've never met more vibrant, amazing people than the seniors served by Meals on Wheels. You can make a difference by dropping off a hot meal and saying a quick hello. So, America, let's do lunch. Volunteer your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council. Single payer is what it's called. Bottom line is and you are back with Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk. This is Steve Larchuk. And we have just had a wonderful chat with Kay Tillow, who is with Unions for Single Payer. Uh, over 600 unions around the country have supported the concept of single payer. And that uh, is a trending up, as you can imagine. We are making great progress here with the show, and I thank all of the listeners who are joining us, and thank you for the emails of support we're getting. If you'd like to learn more about what we're up to and, and what we're trying to do here at Healthcare Politics with Steve Larchuk, please go to our website. That is healthcare-politics.com. Healthcare, all one word, healthcare-politics.com. And I'd like to thank Mike Stout, who has graciously given us permission to use the music that you hear during the show. Thank you very much to TUE Media, which is making uh, all of the engineering possible and hosting the show here. Thank you to Ann McGeary, our producer, who's helping us line up our guests and also the conscience of the show in many ways. Thanks to her. Thanks to Pair Networks world-class web hosting and domain registration they are our national sponsor you can learn more about them at pair p-a-i-r.com next week's show will be focusing on uh, exactly what are we doing with the elder population and so uh, i hope you'll join us at that time this is healthcare politics with steve larchuk and we look forward to you joining us next week thank you so much single payer is what it's called you can improve medicare for all well there's a dirty little secret all over this land a free market monster with invisible hands Thousands sick and dying cause they got no covers Our neighbors and friends, our sisters and brothers Employer insurance with millions unemployed